0: and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National, and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com slash dine. If you listen to this podcast, you know I love a great founder story— That's why I love the story of Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. Three young women from Louisville, Kentucky, who had the idea for a healthier bourbon. Healthier in the sense it has no alcohol. So you can have an evening cocktail with no guilt and almost no calories. It is so delicious. I love to squeeze an orange slice, a couple of dashes of bitters, shake it with ice, and then strain it into a beautiful glass and just kick back. If you'd like to try a bottle of Spiritless, you can use promo code To Dine For to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For the podcast, where we meet the world's most fascinating and innovative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is the founder of the Puerta Network, Adan Gonzalez.
1: Own your story, own your narrative. There's a double ended sword with an education. You're going to be exposed to information and the truth. Now, what you do with the truth? At the end of the day, it's going to define who you are.
0: When Adan Gonzalez was a high school senior, he got a full ride to Georgetown University. When he arrived at the airport to go to school, his bags were overweight, and he could not pay the overweight fees on his luggage. So he had to put his belongings in trash bags. He arrived at Georgetown with trash bags in hand. He says it was that moment that inspired him to create the Puerta Network. Gonzalez, a first-generation college student himself, launched a luggage drive in 2012. His organization provides new luggage to students who are going to college and can't afford them. He has given away thousands of suitcases to students in Texas. And that's not all. In fact, it's just the beginning of his work. Let's hear more from Adan Gonzalez on his journey and what he's got cooking next. Adon, thank you so much for being on To Dine for the podcast. It is wonderful to see you in this morning. Are you coming from Texas?
1: I am. I'm in Dallas, Texas, and it's, uh, for me, it means the world for you to think of us. So thank you.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So let me begin at the beginning. We start every podcast with the guests sharing their absolute favorite restaurant, wherever that is in the country. And I love to hear where people love to eat. So if you don't mind sharing maybe a place that's close to you, a neighborhood joint, or a, a place that you and your family love to eat.
1: So I replayed this question over and over when you emailed me and, and shared us how you started. And um, my first immediate answer was like, oh, at home, we don't you know, go out to eat much. But then I thought, okay, well, I need to have a restaurant. Like, which one's my favorite? Yes. I had to go all the way to D.C. And it was a Filomenas on Wisconsin. It's an Italian restaurant. That in itself, the food, it was like the reward while I was at, uh, while I was finishing my undergrad, <laughs> their lobster ravioli or cheese ravioli. Um, <laughs> it- my favorite, all-time
0: uh, favorite. Oh, that's amazing. And of course, your story, especially of what you've created, really starts in college. But before we get into the Pueda Network and what you have built and what you have created, which I can't wait to dive into, please tell the listeners a little bit about how you grew up, where you're from, and your family.
1: Absolutely. So I was born and raised in Dallas in South Oak Cliff, which is the inner city neighborhood. Uh, both of my parents are immigrants from León, Guanajuato, Mexico. Um, they are my pride and joy. My dad and my mom have been custodians all of my life. Actually, the most recently uh this year, my mom is now officially a teacher assistant. So ah. they passed, um Her G, she got her GED over the summer.
0: Amazing.
1: It, it's been that's honestly been the the reality of our family. There's four boys, so there's an older brother. He's a fire marshal. Then it's me. Then I have a younger brother who owns his landscaping business and my youngest who started college two days ago. So in short, we're a family that is very united, um, that has always had sacrifice growing up. I think we were, well, my older brother was about seven, eight. I was about six. My dad was shot in front of me and him in front of the apartment complex where we used to live. Your dad was shot. Shot and dragged about three blocks. Wow. So, that being said, you were young. We started, we, there was a necessity to start working um, at the flea market selling Cokes, movies, snacks to help our parents buy our school uniforms. And at that age, as a son of immigrants, you start learning English. So, that means you start translating letters, mail, bills, conversations. The funnest part was ordering pizza, um, <laughs> but besides that, I mean, it was just an ongoing. You become very essential to your family. So then, fast forward, let's say to high school, where my parents are constantly working very hard and sacrificing to give us a better life, and that just meant, you know, graduating high school. Like right? for that was the biggest accomplishment um, that we could accomplish in our neighborhood.
0: When you were five or six years old and you see your father shot in front of your apartment building and dragged, what it, when you think about that moment? How did that affect you personally? Never mind being a traumatic event, but did you feel like you then had to step up and work harder? What did you have a sense of fear your entire life, or what did it, what do you think that moment did to you?
1: I remember picking up his shoes, hmm. um, and I would say. <laughs> You know, you, you pick up the shoes and then it felt like you pick up the bills. Mm. Um, you grow up really fast. Yeah. Um, you start understanding, you know, there's good and there's evil in this world. Yes. And while fear can push us backwards. For me, it pushed me forward.
0: Mm. And why do you think it pushed you forward? Because I think in that moment, so many people have something happen to them that pushes them backward. So what was it that allowed you to move forward in a positive way and and to really bring, shine light and, and to work harder and to, to be a force of good?
1: It depends, Kate. I, I think the reality that this is the only, just the only way of survival I try to do a lot of good in my life because there's been a lot of good done for us to make it through a lot of obstacles that I grew up with in in general, but I just it's complicated because anger pushes me too
2: mm.
1: like there I mean, so this is where you're gonna start getting more real than in the sense of like I'm always real, but I've tried my best to be away from speaking into you see you making me struggle because. Part of self-care is removing myself from things that you can no longer control. Right. And when you grow up in a system where the immigrant is the bottom of the pool, Mm. where the immigrant's always being taken advantage of, and those are your parents, Mm. it's tough. And it makes you want to work hard because you want to give your parents a better life when you see your parents miss a meal. Mm. So that's why the question about where is my favorite restaurant, Mm. we didn't grow up having that. Right. Uh, it was a luxury we couldn't have. And my dad always jokes. There's this famous restaurant called La Calle 12th Street. And my dad would always say, and there was a lot of commercials growing up. And my dad would tell my mom, we're going to go eat. And one day we're like, we're excited. My dad's like, we're going to go eat at uh, La Calle 12th And it was like, my mom's like, what are we going to get? Tacos? But we don't know what to order. Are we going to be able to? Point is, you got, we all got it in my dad's minivan. He drives. We're all excited. He pulls up at 12th Street, like literally A Street, and with some Jack in a Box tacos. And we all started just laughing because it was like, you know, and, and, and I know it doesn't make um, part of the story, right? When you ask me what my favorite restaurants and I, now that I'm educated, I understand the effects of the stuff. But to be honest with you, for me, it was Sunday morning and my dad had money left over. He would take us to get a um, breakfast at Jack in a Box. Hmm. And that was like, oh, my God. Or on Fridays, if the Whoppers were $1, mm-hmm. that means me and my brothers could share.
0: The reality of it. it it's it's and tough.
1: Like, and so that's just so when you ask, like, why? Like, we don't have a choice, Kate. Like, you either, <laughs> it sounds cliche, you, you, you work hard or you die trying.
2: Yes. And
1: that's just the reality of my neighborhoods where if my dad got us involved in sports so early, because he knew that everywhere around us, there are, you know, literally real gangs where they are your friends. You grew up with them. But if you have nothing productive to do, you have to find, or you, you don't have a loving, caring family, which I did.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You, you stay busy. And unfortunately, there's a the lack of activities, lack of opportunities. But it go, all goes back to just the, 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 the reality of wanting something better. And when I say better, I say happiness. Um, and my dad did an absolutely amazing job of, of raising my brothers. My dad and my mom <laughs> did an absolutely amazing job of raising my brothers where we never complained what we didn't have, but we work hard towards what we, we wanted. Uh, we wanted more.
0: We'll have more on this conversation in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, in the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol so I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. You worked hard and you had the intelligence and put in the effort to reach a different strata. I mean, I think that's fair to say. You have a degree from Georgetown, you have a degree from Harvard, you have a degree from Columbia, and you have the credentials and you have the smarts to do more for your community. And you have taken that and you are doing something extraordinary for your community. Si how did the Puerta network start? And I know it began when you were a freshman in college. So take me from that moment.
1: So it officially started when I was a freshman in college, but before that unofficially in the same apartment complex when my dad was shot in front of him, my older brother, when my dad got better about 18 minutes later, you know, we wanted to play in the soccer team and it's not cheap to play in the team. And it's, so at that point, my dad started organizing the kids in the apartment complex kids that were ranging from like eight years old all the way to 12. Like mm-hmm. we were nowhere supposed to be playing together. And that was how my dad kept us busy.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Once, uh, fast forward to my senior year, I applied to college at the curb at McDonald's, sitting um, past midnight every time after practice, just applying to scholarships, uh, colleges that couldn't pronounce their names, but just this idea that a higher education was going to grant us our freedom and a better life. I believed it. As an expression, I I drank the (laughs) Kool-Aid of understanding, like, this is what's supposed to get us moving forward. I was able to win over a million dollars in scholarships. uh, Wow. Gates Millennium. And I, I mentioned those two because of merit and financial need. Yes, I was a brown, Mexican-American, Latinx, Hispanic, Latino, whatever you want to label me as. Poor kid from the inner city. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I was competing uh, merit-wise with the best of the country. Yes, And that combination ultimately led for me to go to conferences. And one of the conferences that I went that changed my life was a Coca-Cola conference. As coca scholars, um, I understood, first thing that hit me was like, wait, I'm not special. Everyone around here is doing exactly the same stuff or in their own capacities, in their own ways. So then it hit me. What were the things that we do, we have in, we have in common that allowed us to be here? Number one, community service.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It leads to others. Number two, we were all leaders in our community. Mm-hmm. We had academic success. And lastly, we had someone pushing us, an ambition support. Someone, a, a mentor or someone that encouraged us to apply or a sto- like that story of why. Yes. Once I was at Georgetown, I realized another story. here. So Here's my third story. So I would go first story, my dad, I'm being shot. Second story, high school, applying to college. Third story, first day of college at a, I sat in a government class. Professor asked, "Who's a Republican, Democrat, Independent, all in between?" I had no idea. Okay, like, <laughs> keep in mind, I was in D.C. <laughs> at I Georgetown. I still didn't even realize what Georgetown meant. Like <laughs> it was just like, "I'm going to be a lawyer. I um, need to go to D.C. because that's where people who are lawyers, you know, that wear student ties. That's where I need to go." That's how naive I was to reality, hmm. unexposed to. Higher education, the list goes on. But then I, re- so when the professor asked his questions, so I stayed quiet, and I was in the very front. And that was really why I could pay attention. He said, "Mr. Gonzalez, uh, you don't want to participate." And I was like, "I do." He's like, "So where do you do you identify?" And I was like, "Well, I represent the people, and people, and my I saw my classmates, and this is where it's it's tough. right, some people rolled their eyes, some people, or some people smiled, and it was like, okay, why? I still do understand." And through time in that class, I understood that people in general, especially at the schools of privilege and elite programs, by default are going to be leaders in our country by just going to these schools. Mm. There are already steps ahead in privilege. Mm. And the thing is, once I realized that what people were studying in books was my story, mm. my community, they were reading statistics and data did not understand the DNA because the reality. And that's when it hit me. The moment I learned how to critically read, it changed, it, it changed the game because I understood there's good people that want to do very, very, a lot of good in our community, but don't know where or how there. And then I knew the other reality there's people who need the help. Mm-hmm. Just don't know how to, where to meet it, how to ask for it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, in my, in my heart, I understood that I could be a bridge between these two communities, because both are special, both have talent, it's just an opportunity to be able to code switch, and be able to speak, and educate, and empower these communities to work together, and eventually, at the Coke Scholars Conference, I recognized that, and George and I recognized that, and then that's when I said, okay, well, we need to have these same opportunities to help me build my resume, to have a, an opportunity of education, do that now, and that was the beginning of Weather Network.
0: You go by the Cicipueta, which is Yes We Can. And it is a rallying cry for Latinos. It has been historically. And it is a beautiful mission and concept. And for you, it starts with help. And you had a moment when you were a freshman at Georgetown and you arrived at the airport with your luggage. Can you explain that story?
1: Very excited. My dad gave me 100 bucks. And my mom gave me her rosary, and they took off. And once I it was time to check in my bags, they realized there was airport fees. And once you do that, you know I had it a little bit bigger than a carry on, but it was extremely heavy. They took off clothes, put them in trash bags, couldn't afford the. Air. I could not afford the overweight bag fee, and that was just the beginning of the journey. I think it's crazy. It's been ten years. <laughs> Literally, this year, is ten years, um, and it now it's a blessing.
0: So you, you arrived at Georgetown with some of your belongings in trash bags, and it was that moment that galvanized you to, to make sure that doesn't happen to anyone from your community again. And so you, that was the beginning of the Puerta Network, and you actually purchase and give away luggage to those students that are going into college, Correct.
1: This year was our ninth annual luggage strife uh, where we've collected over a 1,500 sets of luggage
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, to students around the North Texas area who are going to college. Is this idea that I remember arriving on campus and closing my eyes and God, please help me so one day I can help others. Mm-hmm. And it was just that understanding that if something has a luggage, it's a symbol that when someone is investing in you to carry your dreams, like that's just the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it's different when, especially like myself, right, you you have a full ride to college doesn't mean you have bedding and pillows for your dorm. Right. And especially when you're already going from Dallas always to D.C., you have no one there. And now with time, of course, I built an amazing safety net of people who helped me
2: mm-hmm. and that
1: kept um, And every any any help. Then that's what the network is. Any help that I've received, I've tried my best to. Replicated in a systematic way mm-hmm. where okay. it has a ripple effect in everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because I could, know, I could not be in front of you and say, that I did it because I worked hard. I, I've been able to make it because people who believed in me and people who supported my dreams and my responsibilities to support others. And that's, at the end of the day, what Weather Network is. It's a, it's a community that's supporting one another.
0: Where does the money come from the luggage? Do you get donations? How does it actually work from sort of a brass tacks perspective?
1: So the donations either come from sponsorships, from businesses to an individual wanting to sponsor one set. And the beautiful part about this, Kate, is I have kids who have graduated from college now who have come back and donated the luggage themselves.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's what it's about. Yeah.
1: And again, awesome. that's one of our initiatives. That's the flagship initiative that I think that got us going And But now with the the program itself and the identity of the networks are scholars program. A little bit I was sharing with you, the same thing that I, the question that I asked myself, how, why am I here? Uh, Why are not other people from my neighborhood or has stories like mine? A lot of times every year, there are a few stories that are shared a lot of students like myself who are constantly overcoming a lot of obstacles. Um, And in my head, I'm trying to figure out how do you normalize it? How does it become something where it's not the one story every year that keeps hope going, which is great.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But how do you break that cycle where it's more? That's the reason of Weather Network, where so for so much for, for a very long time, families and communities of privilege that come into my neighborhood, our neighborhood to build their resumes.
2: Mm-hmm. To do good,
1: but to clean our streets,
2: mm-hmm.
1: wipe out the graffiti, mm-hmm. to feed us. And I'm not saying there's not a need, but why can't we do that ourselves?
2: Mm. Why
1: can't the same company who sponsored that community to come into our neighborhood, why can't they sponsor kids from our neighborhood to do the same thing?
0: Mm.
1: And that's the, that's the game changer of Weather Network.
0: That's a really fascinating concept. And is it specific to Dallas, Texas, or is it all of Texas, or is, there, is, there, is it specific to your neighborhood?
1: Poyla uh, Network is specific to Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, In Dallas, our neighborhood, Oak Cliff, is known as the inner city. Mm -hmm. And it's very, uh, I mean, for us, it's small, right? But Mm -hmm. for geographically, it stretches about, I might be wrong, and I'm going to get fact-checked on this, but I think Oak Cliff in general is about one-third of Dallas, if not more,
0: so what is the vision now? You know, here you are 10 years into this, 10 years since that first experience where you said to God, you know, help me to help others. And you have given away, you know, hundreds and hundreds of pieces of luggage and have helped your community with scholarships. Now, as you take a moment to pause, what is the vision moving forward?
1: Through empowering the families that we serve, we're serving over 5,000 families year year long. And through different services from providing produce, tutoring services, recreational sports, uh, family counseling, the list goes on. And we used to do this in my backyard, my dad's backyard, in our kitchen, our living room. And today we have our small little center and it's already too small. And so the dream of what's next is that one day I will love and I'm working towards opening a school. Mm. And that's the next goal that we have in mind, just because a lot of times we find ourselves doing so many services that, you know, you would expect a school to do. And instead of falling into criticizing the system, I'm a believer that we have to provide solutions and answers ourselves. Mm. So that's in our in our short-term goal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's providing um, opening a school, long-term vision, and it's being irrelevant when we're no longer needed
2: mm.
1: that is a cl- that is honestly my utopia world where like i can you know i just worry about one day when i have kids and a family that's the goal um where people are so sustainable they are they have an opportunity to live a better lives through their own merit um and hard work and talent which is there and i think that's the biggest um av- when I advocate and talks about our communities and myself kate like i did have a rough upbringing more than people things that are rated r that i can't share i shouldn't share with you in a podcast right but you know at the end of the day i've always had the same the values that my parents engraved in us or the experiences that one faces uh, we have to find a way to make them have a positive outcome in our lives because it's it is what we have that is the capital that we have in our, in our being.
0: Adan, there are going to be people who listen to this and a lot of young people listen to this podcast who are dreamers and creators themselves. And what would you say to a young Adan Gonzalez who's in high school, who wants to make an impact on their community, who wants to start small and really make a difference? How, what, what advice would you give?
1: I would first say, uh, keep going. And one grows the most when we're uh, uncomfortable. Mm. And through all those lonely nights, very difficult moments, you just have to keep going because you're going to fail a lot more than what you succeed. Mm. But the impact that one can have by letting, by trying to do what's right. is something that I would never want a younger Alanguiz to never let go of because that's honestly why I'm here. It's been an incredibly difficult journey, Kate, to be where I'm at now. Involved a lot of sacrifice in different ways, you know, but at the end of the day, is it worth it? Absolutely, because I'm true to my identity. I'm true to myself. And that's another message to, to anyone young own your story, own your narrative. There's a double ended sword with an education. You're going to be exposed to information and the truth. Now, what you do with the truth at the end of the day is going to define who you are.
0: Oh, that's good. That's really good. And you know, the, the the truth is, I ask people their favorite restaurant because I'm trying to get it at who they are. And I, I love the story of the restaurant in Washington, D.C. because it obviously gave you a wow experience. But at the end of the day, going to Jack in the Box with your dad was just if not way more powerful and an amazing memory. And so for me, that's the best answer you could give, you know, is who you really are. And I I feel like you're an amazing reflection of your community, your family. And I just really proud to know you, Adan.
1: Thank you so much, Kate. And th- those are choices one makes, right? Where one gets tired of fighting. And I don't say tired of like, even physically or drain it, but it's just like being a... So I always I been a proud American, <laughs> I always have. I remember when growing up, my dad, you know, he was oh, he's from, we he, were from Mexico, but I was proudly singing the National Anthem and experiences and the way I look, I'm a dark Mexican-American kid. And just that reality experiences have pushed me now to understand, you know, the other or understand that we in this country, it's tough. And when I share that with you, is that through my answers, I, I think it's important to be real with those who are trying to create change in our community, whether you're black, white, yellow, green.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that you know It is tough doing the right thing because it means you sacrifice uh, money.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You sacrifice networks. You sacrifice so many things if you're trying to do what's right. Because at the end of the day, again, we're trying to dismantle a system that wasn't created for everyone. Right. And one of the things I share is that my success has been based off my community's failure. So, what am I going to do about it?
2: Mm. I'm going to
1: change stuff. That. Mm. And, and that's what we're trying to do. So, thank you for sharing this platform to raise um, the voices of, of so many people in our neighborhood who, again, have the talent, just seeking that opportunity. Um, to be able to exercise it, and and that's where it's our responsibility, Kate, as as leaders in our communities.
0: I can feel the responsibility that you feel to make a difference, and I I, I just salute you for rising to the challenge.
1: Thank you. And the la- other advice, though, I would give a younger girl, on, Now that you're making me think about it even more, you know, it's okay to trust people too, because you know, once you when you grow up in the hood, and imagine you go from Oak Cliff to you go to DC and I know there was maybe a lot of times or circumstances where I could have missed out on a great conversation just because I didn't um, trust people. Exactly. Yeah.
0: That's really good advice that is specific to how you grew up and you're speaking to the people around you because there, I imagine there's an amazing amount of, of distrust and there are people who, are good and want to help and, and a lot of people to be trusted and not trusted, but I, I, yeah, I, I can see that.
1: Naturally one speaks of things that, you know, are hardships and obstacles, but man, my community, Kate's so amazing. Like think about this, like you grew up in an apartment where everyone's dirt poor and in different capacities. Right. Now, of course we can't compare United States poverty to a third world country, but within our own Mm -hmm. um, area where like my mom, let's say she has, one tomato left and the neighbor asked for that (laughs) tomato like my mom would still hand that tomato over Mm. you grew up in a a neighborhood where all everyone who lives in the apartment complex pitches in to get like a a community pool those that you buy at like sam's that are 80 kids that are only supposed to fit in 10. like those are memories of playing canicas volleyball the resiliency it's what we grow from and glow and that's just what i stay with yeah but whenever we're that fear, right? It's like, of course, you see that fear, but then you also see that smile. Like, and I always bring back the glow of my parents' eyes, where it's like, my parents, when they're in fear, when they're struggling, I see that glow of pain. But when they're proud and they're happy, it's the same glow. And that's what, again, at the end of the day, continues to push me and the authenticity and honesty that we have with our families that we serve through the Network is an advice to any community leader out there or any company or any businessman or any individual who's trying to have an impact in the community just show up be yourself be honest about what you're trying to do and the community will guide you a lot of times we come with this set idea and strategies and frameworks about what how we can help like just show up and more than anything walk with the community find solutions a lot of times you can ask kids in my neighborhood what they want to be when they grow up and some will struggle to answer but ask them what problems they want to fix mm. you have people talking
0: I love it I love it Adon, thank you so much for this time today it's so wonderful to reconnect and I hope to, I get to see you soon in person
1: you will Kate we'll invite you're always here
0: <laughs> sounds great thank you Adon. thanks for listening to To Dine For the podcast for more information on the show the guests and the podcast head to dinefortv.com. You can find us on Instagram at To Dine For TV and Facebook at To Dine For with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For the Podcast, American National, and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golmer. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon.